Hi, everyone. Welcome to our first episode of Veritas in Veritatis. Supra, sorry, in Veritatis. Um, we decided to do a podcast because of the fact that um, several people in the last few months have mentioned that they think that um, it would be neat if we did one, so we thought we would try it. So we decided, hey, let's. we need a title. Um, and one of the things we decided to do was we were like, oh, we should use that truth over facts line of the former president, Joe Biden, um, that was sort of a gaffe. I, miss, I think it's a gaffe. Um, but we kind of were like, well, it has sort of a more profound meaning because in a sense, there is kind of an overarching truth over the facts, right? There are facts um, don't always give the full picture. Facts don't always give the truth of the matter. Um, so you have to look at truths or at facts in the light of truth and in order to actually discover the truth. And so we um, went to use that line. Obviously, um, if you search truth over facts, there are quite a few different podcasts that have already taken that name. One by some guy named Donald Trump. Um, I think he was a real estate magnet or something, a New Yorker, but um, it's already been used. So we're like, hey, we'll do it in Latin. Now, the interesting thing about the Latin is that Latin, the Romans do not have two different words for truth and facts. The word veritas means both of them. So um, we went with it, but yeah, it's a little bit of a, um, anyway, it, it is what it is. Um, let's get started. So, uh, my name is Sarah and today we just are going to talk about different things that are going on in the culture. Um, it seems everybody has an opinion. And so, um, we thought we would throw in our, um, our two cents into the world. Um, one of the interesting things that happened today, which is the, um, October 7th, the feast um, in the Catholic Church of Our Lady of Victory, Our Lady of the Rosary. Um, it commemorates the Battle of Lepanto uh, when the Christians were able to drive the uh, Moors and hold them from invading Europe, um, saving Christendom. Is that something else interesting in the Catholic Church sort of happened today? I, I know that the actual official release of this came out um, on November, um, a few a earlier this ago. week. It was a few days ago. Yeah. Uh, I'm talking about the encyclical and I'm going to use air quotes for that, uh, encyclical of Pope Francis uh, that um, Fratelli Tutti, um, the, I keep wanting to call it Tutti Frutti, and it kind of is because it's all about these like softy political issues, uh, but uh, we thought we would we'd kind of discuss that since that's well, what's well, just, coming up. Just looking at the name, so I'm, it's, it's Italian, but I can already see some Latin origin in there, so Fratelli I'm assuming means like, brother fraternity what, what's yeah. the two t um i think it means the like the whole so like like what like the whole the community um, of brotherhood i think yeah i think it means like the the brother i think it means like the whole brotherhood the whole brotherhood okay um yeah that's interesting that it actually is not translated um that it is that that isn't wasn't translated out of the um, I think this was written originally in Spanish, um, is my understanding. Usually Latin encyclicals are written, or, Sp or church encyclicals are written in Latin. Um, this one in particular was written in Spanish, which is a little um, interesting that it wasn't um, put in the official language of the church um, for publication. Usually they are, they're issued in Latin. Um, and then they're translating into other languages. I don't even, I'm here on the um, Vatican website. I don't even see it Latin listed as one of the um, languages you can get it in. So that's, that's kind of interesting. Um, obviously, 
why did I do air quotes? I think you guys know there's probably there's a discussion going on. Um, the the Vatican calls this an encyclical letter. Um, but I think it's interesting to note that so an encyclical by definition is a letter given to the um, to the church for um, you know to to give teaching to the church for the church to um, you know cycle it into its into its life. The problem with this um, is that if you actually look at what defines a letter, if you notice there's in a letter there's a few parts. You have to have um, an addressee. You had to have to have a body, a concluding. Um, a signature, like if you were to teach this as a class, there is no um, to anyone in this. It's not really a letter. It's not really an encyclical. Well, it, um, it in says the right sense, in the title, it's 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 of the Holy Father Francis on yep. fraternity and social friendship. So it's not really, to me, it sounds more like a like a PSA. Like it's just a like, hey, just so everyone knows, but it's not particularly directed at anyone individually. Which, like you're saying, with a letter, you would you write. A letter to someone you write a, a letter to your grandma or to your your sibling or to a, a significant other you don't you don't just i mean you can send you can kind of send out but a, but this sort of sounds more like an announcement i don't know if the the uh the holy see has something like that that they could have done instead of this it's just it's weird that they would pick this yeah there are different options as far as um you have like motoporpios you've got um letters to the faithful letters to the bishop but by definition a letter has to be addressed to someone um, and this one isn't. And it's interesting because I was looking up um, the last. Uh, so Pope Francis, obviously, this is not the first time that he's had an encyclical that's like, uh, is that have Catholic doctrine in it? Um, I, we'll talk about a couple of the things that he um, seems to condemn in the letter. Uh, but he has um, that are actually church teaching, um, you know, like. <laughs> uh, just war theory, for instance, comes to us from St. Augustine. So I'm not sure. Um, how he's going to work his way out of getting that out of church teaching. Uh, but it's interesting because his Laudato Si, which is his last encyclical, also wasn't addressed to anyone. Well, usually encyclicals start with two certain people. But it's interesting because Lumen Fidei, which um, it's speculated, I don't know if this is true, but it's speculated that um, it kind of seemed to finish up the uh, the documents that Pope Benedict XVI was writing on faith, hope, um, and charity and this one would be the one about faith that would kind of go with like a tr the trilogy that he was writing. Um, this one says to the bishops, priests, and deacons, consecrated persons, and the lay faithful on faith. So his first encyclical that he that he published um, w at the very beginning of his papacy uh, does say this is to someone from you know to the church from Saint Francis or from Pope not Saint Francis Pope Francis. Um, and, but it's interesting because his next two are not letters. Um, the la the set, the Lerato C is actually written in Italian or sorry, is written in Latin. Um, uh, but yeah, if you go onto the Vatican website, you can't even get a Latin copy of the encyclicals, much less an original, which is written in Latin. So that's really interesting, um, as well. Uh, one of the things that, and this has come up, not just in, he does mention it. One of his topics and his thing is, is about, um, uh, capital punishment and the death penalty. Um, it drives me crazy in where people are like accusing pro-lifers. So in the United States, we use the term pro-life to basically mean um, people who are against the murder of unborn children. And in our country, the, um, you know, it's sort of illegal because of this um, executive order uh, issued by the president recently. But 
like of infants who are just born also who are allowed to be killed um when we say pro-life we mean we're against abortion right but we're also against kind of just the killing of innocent um we're against murder we're against you know that's kind of all the encompassing there and people have a tendency to say oh well you can't say you're pro-life if you're pro-death penalty and so therefore both abortion and murder all and and death and capital punishment are all equated now i know the new catholic catechism um, in it, there was a change that Pope Francis, uh, I believe, was done at the behest of Pope Francis, um, where, contrary to 2,000 years of church teaching, which actually goes back further um, than just the Catholic Church, uh, is this notion of, of the death penalty being permissible. It's an extension of the, um, the, personal, the right to self-defense. Uh, and it's the, and so people will equate these two. They'll say, oh, well, abortion is, if you think abortion is killing and you're okay with capital punishment, you're, you know, you're a hypocrite, you, you know, and it doesn't matter who you vote for because of the fact that these are two equal, uh, these are kind of two equal issues. It's ludicrous. I mean, both in the quality of the act itself, not to mention the numbers, I mean, the quantity of the difference between murder and uh, sorry, the abortion and capital punishment. Very few people, if any, each year in the United States are executed. Millions of babies have been executed. I think each year it's about, I think it's about a million babies in the United States are killed um, through abortion. Those two things numerically are not equal, right? You, you don't, um, you know, to say, oh, we're going to try to save, we're going to sacrifice millions in order to save a handful uh, doesn't equate just numerically, but also the act itself is different. There's the the fact that unborn babies are innocent human life and taking their life intentionally is by definition murder. Whereas when it comes to um, capital punishment, it is a society defending itself. The killing of the person is actually secondary to the fact that the society simply wants to defend itself from crimes that are going to be committed by these people. Um, now, granted, the... Um, you know, the church has said, uh, well, up until the new catechism, um, that, and even in the new catechism, it's weird because it says it's inadmissible, which literally means like cannot be entered into evidence. It doesn't mean it, like prohibited would be a word that would say you can't do it, but inadmissible sort of doesn't mean anything, which it is weird. It sounds like you can't do it, but officially it means that you, it, 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 it it's misleading. I guess there's something that you could say about it. Yeah, because it sounds like it's being condemned by the church and like, oh, the church is changing when in all actuality, it's really a, a nothing. It, it doesn't have a meaning. Yeah. Well, and so I it, guess, it, yeah, so in, it's in, ambiguous, so but def- it sounds. To, so sorry to backtrack a second. So you said inadmissible is to, to mean that it can't be accounted for in evidence. Yeah, inadmissible. So, yeah. So I could see that as I think the word that I think a lot of people are going to attach to, at least how I see it is the admission piece of it so it's it's inadmissible so like admission when you get admission you're admitted into something you you get admission to a concert or to a football game okay so if it's inadmissible i would think that is it's not you're not allowed in so that's not allowed so i'd read that statement of the death penalty is inadmissible as it's not allowed well Mm -hmm. when the catholic church says something's not allowed that usually means it's, it's because it's bad for your soul but what you're saying now is that that's not that's not the, the the real definition of that word. It's not. It's not the real. And I think that word was chosen specifically because it can be. It is am. Um, well, people can ambiguous. draw the same conclusion. People can that people I was can draw drawing. a conclusion without it 
without, you know, and then at the same time, there's deniability. Well, that's not what I said kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing, though, that I think is really interesting is that it also goes against the Bible. I mean, even God agrees with me on this. In the Old Testament, one of the when he's giving the law to the Jews, there are certain crimes which are punishable by death. Blasphemy being one of them. Um, working on Sundays, uh, there are there are crimes that actually have the death penalty attached in them um, in the Old Testament. So it's not like this is something that even the Christians and the Catholics said, "Oh, we'll we'll add the death." You know, we're going to make the death penalty okay. This is something that goes back um, even further than the church. Uh, the other thing, though, that is. So the principle of the double effect um, basically works like this, that it's not your your intention isn't to kill the person. Your intention is something good, which is to to protect society. Um, And so in order to protect society, there are certain uh, you can do certain things that are morally neutral, even though you can foresee a bad effect. So the thing is, this um, killing in and of itself is not inherently evil murder is inherently evil, right? Murder is always wrong, whereas killing another human being can be justified in certain circumstances, obviously self-defense being one of them. Your intention is to protect yourself. So when somebody uses deadly force force against you, you are um, within your rights and within um, the moral law to simply use deadly force against that person. Now, if the person isn't coming at you with deadly force, you can't use deadly force against them, right? You can't have somebody come up um, and they're just going to try to beat you up and you, you know, pull a gun on them and kill them. It has to be deadly force for deadly force. And that's why the church has teachings regarding capital punishment, which is that you can't just kill somebody for any offense. Uh, it has to be a serious offense. It has to be an offense that's egregious against society. Uh, you have to know, um, you know, for pretty much for certain that the person actually committed it. Um, they're, you know, if, if you're doubtful that they might be innocent, they might be guilty. No, you're not going to execute them. But there are situations where you, you know, you need to execute someone in order to protect society. And that isn't wrong. Now, a lot of people, and this is, I think, what Pope John Paul II's attitude toward, toward it was, which is in a day and age when you have state-of-the-art buildings, why is it that you can't just keep people in jail? It seems like you could keep people in jail that there would be another option um, in order to keep the people off the streets and protect them from, and protect them, um, you know, from society from them. And I think it's interesting because I think these recent, um, this, this COVID lockdown situation and the fact that people were using COVID as an excuse to let violent criminals out into the streets. Um, you know, you see this in New York where a guy was released. Um, this is a, this story was a couple months ago, but uh, quite a few months ago, right at the beginning, but he was released from prison and he went off and murdered somebody. And so you're like, wait a second, what happens? And I think this is something that needs to be discussed by our society, which is what do we do if our laws don't enable us? You know, yeah, physically we can make jails that people can't get out of um, for the most part, but what do you do when you can't keep laws on the books that keep these people in jail? Um, and keep them from going out and, and hurting other people. So it's kind of an, it's it's more than just a, capital punishment isn't an open and closed um, kind of case. Like, well, I think there's a justification for it. I think a, an analogy, I think, that you could draw from that, that statement of, well, well, we can just keep them locked up is, so, like, let's say you have this, you know, you're on a diet and you are trying to eat healthy and everything, but you, and so at part of that, for the most part, when people go on a diet, usually the, the first thing they do is they say, okay, diet time, throw everything unhealthy. So all the candy bars, 
all of the sweets, the ice cream, trash. Just throw it on the trash. We're just going to cut cold turkey. So the problem with that then is you say, okay, well, I'm just going to take these, this box of candy bars and I'm just going to lock them in this lock box. It's super secure. It can't be opened. It won't get out. It, it'll stay there. It, it'll never escape and it should never make its way into my mouth. Well, eventually something happens and you cave and you open that box and you release it and then you eat it. So it's like the whole deal is that 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 inclination to sin is still that inclination to cheat on your diet is still there and i think the same thing kind of happens now am i saying criminals are exactly like candy bars no but i think the thing is that if if they're fully committed to commit if they're if they're fully committed to constantly doing evil acts no matter what if they stay like it does them if they're not willing to repent and to come back them continuing to exist and be alive, I think is it, it's it's kind of I mean, if you, especially if you're not even trying to actively convert them back to you know being a functioning member of society, what is you're, they're just they're kind of using up space. And if their plan is to as soon as they get out do evil acts again, ultimately you should probably it, I think for society it would be best to just stop them there right is that kind of the it, it kind of is i don't think the, the concern really is how to best so just like individuals have a right to defend themselves societies have a right to defend themselves and so the society um it, it, the principle of the double effect can basically say that this is um this is a, a morally neutral act that because states you know because governments do have the right to execute for grave reasons um that there is in fact a um, that, that in order to protect society, it has to be done. I don't think you can make the judgment, well, you're not going to repent anyway, we're going to kill you. Well, yeah, um, that that's, would be, <laughs> that, that's stepping into uh, acting like God territory, I would say. Right, but the idea that um, these crimes are so heinous that we um, that we, we do need to cut this person off from society and the way that we can do that is um, is through execution is not a bad um, is not a bad thing. The, the other the thing, act too, itself isn't the hard part. It's determining, okay, where is the line? At what what do they have to have done to warrant? Right, which crimes that? are, are and I don't even enough. think that's the discussion that's popping up right now. The discussion is, is it moral to to do to do that? Let's say we have a line of what what they have done is so heinous they need to be executed. What that's the, that's where we're sitting at right now. The, we're not even discussing what crimes are worthy of this. It's is this worth it or not? Well, I think part of the reason that we can't have the discussion, um, honestly, about death penalty has to do with the fact that because our laws are, we there's this huge problem in the United States, which is abortion. So how can you justify executing someone, even if they commit mass murder? How can you justify executing them when in the United States it's legal to kill human beings? And I think that's kind of part of the, you know, so you have abortionists who walk around scot-free and yet you have, um, when it, it sounds like it's one of those catch 22 things. So we basically say abortion is wrong. You're killing innocent life. And they, so, and then this is where the problem introduces that you're talking about where then an abortionist could come along and say, well, you support the death penalty. You support killing people. But in reality, a, a man, a, a, an innocent child who is yet to be born is not anywhere on the same level as a man who, you know, killed three women and buried them in his basement like that that there's there's something very different there between those two things right one is a murder which is an inherent wrong and the other one is just a killing which can be right or wrong depending on circumstances well, and i think people tend to forget that one of them is genuinely a prevention of a life 
not the ending of a life. Like ending of a life is included in that, but you're not just ending that child's life. You're preventing it from ever getting started. Yeah. Whereas this is typically people on, on, on who are on death row to be executed have lived a good chunk of their life. And they basically, once they, you know, reached an age with where they could properly reason or at least somewhat reason, they made a decision to say, yep, I'm going to do terrible things and there's going to be consequences and that 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 was their choice and they live but this child has had no choice or any say in that they have they have they have they haven't even had the chance potentially to even really have that connection of reason yet on making i mean they're born with free will and everything but they haven't even had the opportunity to make a choice at that point they everything is being shut down before it even gets started for them right and i do i mean there is a sense in which i think that unborn babies are um it's kind of a more heinous crime just in the fact that you're right. The more innocent someone is, the more horrible it is when they're murdered in, um, in the sense. And, and I don't know that there's necessarily an objective reason for this, but there is one just on the, um, sort of on the level of emotions because we look at, so you look at somebody who's out of, you know, grabbed out of the blue and just killed. That seems more horrible to us than somebody who, was into something that was wrong and like it's like dude you you kind of reaped what you sowed when you go you know hang out in these certain places when you start hanging around with this kind of person it's not surprising that you get killed Mm -hmm. Um, whereas when somebody isn't and I don't think that that's really a a moral justification at murder when you're killing an innocent person a person who has not done anything wrong it's murder Um, yeah but here's the other thing that I think is a problem with the fact that we don't have um one of the things about the death penalty is the fact that it gives you sort of an end point. Like you have to have repented by this point or else um, in it, or else in the sense of like, it's, it's, you're, you're going to run out kind of time. Of ultimatum. I kind of feel like bit. having the, that deadline is well, what well, really makes you well, even just but. like, so a good example of this with the, the, the beginning of the COVID pandemic um was that, you know, for uh, the first few weeks when we didn't know much about this, you know, for a lot of people, I think that was, uh, is this going to kill me? Am I, is this it? And I think when a lot of people are faced with that reality of, am I going to die? They start to think about things. They, I mean, some, for some, it becomes a very selfish thing if they think about themselves, but for others, it's just like, wait, I have people that depend on me. I can't, I can't die. And if I die, am I, am I ready? And I think you know, for, for a lot of people, the, the, this is a thing of, it's something that they start to think about. And the, 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 the standing on the edge of your life and saying, okay, I could, I could die. Like having that really hit you hard with something like a, a potential pandemic will really make you think about those things, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think that, I think in a sense, it's one of those, it's, there's kind of this belief amongst people um, and we're we see it I, I feel a little bit like we see it in our um, in our in our bishops like I'm thinking of like um, like Father Altman that priest from uh, La Crosse Diocese who is under attack because he went on and made a he privately made so it's not really affiliated with the church at all but he privately made a video that basically is a warning to Catholics that you know, these kinds of life issues are not equal. And that as Catholics, you know, if we choose to vote for candidates who are, you know, um, who are, who are pro abortion, who are for the murder of innocent kids, we're endangering our souls. And he said this and he got rebuked by his Bishop. And I think that 
um, there's kind of this, this mentality and it's coming from the bishops, not all of the bishops, obviously we have some good ones. Uh, but I think that there's, there isn't, there is sort of, um, a, uh, this line coming from, from different people, which is that, um, it, it, you have to be chair in order to be charitable. You have to just let people do their thing. Right. When actually church teaching, and we know this because of the works of mercy, one of the works of mercy is admonish the sinner, warn the sinner. And yet it's looked upon as an act of cruelty and judgmentalness. If I think that's a word, um, you're basically being judgmental if you are actually warning sinners, like your soul is in danger if you do this. Now, that doesn't mean that. Well, it's that whole idea of it, it's it's rude to tell somebody who's about to get hit by the bus because they have headphones on to get out of the way. You're exactly. you're, you're, you're you're preventing their 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 demise. And it, it I I a funny thing that makes me think of this is the Incredible movie. The guy is committing suicide. Yes. And Mr. Incredible saves him and he's upset about it. Yes. He's like you ruined my death and it's like, well, and, it, and I think it's I think some people have that same logic as, as hilarious as that movie was. Unfortunately, I think there are people who have that that thought process in some ways. Right. Because some, for some reason, they don't believe in reality if it isn't something tangible. So like they believe like, oh, you you objectively saved me from destruction because you stopped me from, you know, hitting a bus. But they don't look at it with eternal realities. And so they don't realize that, wow, I'm having somebody grab me and stop me from, you know, going into my own destruction. And people just, it, it's one of those, it's part of the culture where people who are claiming to be nice, people who act nice are actually sometimes your greatest enemies. It's, it's, it has to do, I think, with the fact that we live in a culture that um, where lying is so prevalent. Because there's, there's just so many things you have to, you can't just take things for face value at, at face value, um, which is, you know, it makes society basically fall apart when you can't trust um, that people are telling you the truth. I mean, that truth and, and your word is sort of the basis of human society um, on a philosophical level. And so when that is breaking down, which I feel like it is. Um, the only thing that's going to save it is people going out and saying, yeah, this is, these are things that are good. These are things that are bad. I am warning you for your own sake because I, you know, I'm, I want to be charitable. And so we basically have a world in which people who are actually doing loving things are labeled as, as horrible human beings and people who are doing objectively horrible and hateful things are the ones who are like, oh, I'm so compassionate. I'm so loving, I'm so empathetic. Um, and, and it, and it, I think it follows, though, the way government has has worked, because um, one of the things that happens with government is it gets flipped around. So like um, this is how I explain communism to my students is communism is a flipping around of the order of things. So in the everything in the world exists for the sake of human beings. So government should exist for the sake of the human being. Communism flips it around and says, no, 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 no. The human being exists for the sake of the government. And I think that this is sort of, um, I think that it, it's sort of the same kind of um, like that sort of this, this flip is sort of what we're seeing culturally. Um, this notion that, you know, what's up is down and what's down is up um, in the sense that I it used to be that people would say, I don't care what you say, what you do is what matters. And now we've flipped it so that, well, if you say something that sounds nice, 
that's what really matters even though what how you act is is a horrible thing and so people are just the things are just flipped around in our society but the way that you fix them is not by going along with with the upside down it's by saying gosh you're wrong we got to fix this we have to start saying you know what is truth what is true is true and what is false is false um and and to allow that to kind of permeate through our society it's really the only way that things are going to get better uh and it, you know you're not going to be well liked for speaking truth but you know well, it, what we have to you do. hear that phrase all the time the truth hurts and i think it's really showing right now because people it's like the second you confront them with the truth and not just you know a fact check it's they, they get so upset they they don't like to hear and i think that's what's happening with father Altman is he's speaking the truth now granted his 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 tone sometimes maybe could be handled a little bit better but at this I mean like you know like how mom usually handled me when i was being a brat and i needed to hear you know that i was being a brat it wasn't usually in a nice tone and it's because you know after so much time of of going down this road eventually it the it's a very big jerk it would be yeah. it's like we're riding a cart and the horse is slowly drifting off and at some point in order to get back on as quickly as possible you just have to yank on the leash so that that horse or the reins you have to yank on the reins and get that horse back on track and right. the horse isn't going to like it but it's what it, it, it's the wake-up call that we need and i think that's it, what's happening is a cultural wake-up call we're all slowly drifting into this political correct uh you do you i don't want to get involved i don't want to have a firm stance on something too we're just getting smacked in the face with the truth and it we need it because otherwise humanity as a whole isn't going to make it right and i think that's why i think that's why um you know one of the principles of self-governance is the fact that you have to have people who are individually disciplined because an because indiv a person who's disciplined in and of themselves will notice times when they're just swerving off the path and they will put themselves back on it i mean obviously not in there is also an element of grace in our movement and our conversion and our staying on the straight and narrow i'm, I'm talking more philosophically um, but a person who is focused on being um, self-governed they will keep themselves on the straight and narrow and so you're not going to have these huge um you shouldn't have these huge moments of jerking them back on um, which is why there's a difference between like children and adults. Like adults, by the time you become an adult, you ought to be self-governing. You ought to be able to stay on the straight and narrow of your own accord in a way that children don't have that, which is why they have parents to govern them. Um, and so the problem is, is like, what do you do when your society is full of a bunch of people who don't keep themselves on the straight and narrow, who don't analyze their lives, that don't reflect on what they're doing with their life and who go off in these crazy directions where they're, you know, killing other people, where they're destroying property, um, where they're really buying into the fact that, you know, these, you know, um, that they're owed these things from government and things like that. It's like, no, no, government exists to to serve the people, but government is not designed to steal from one group of people to give to another group of people. That's that's not justice. And so the fact that their people are basically not able to self-govern, um, they've they have um it, like they've they've just they've lost the ability and so yeah you do need these big kind of more um these stronger movements back to um to the right path and i don't know i mean we might it, there's debate as to whether um it's too late for our country but it, this is america we go down fighting i don't know that <laughs> well i was i don't think we're, nobody has the intention of surrendering your point of talking about how it's once you get to an, an adult state you're kind of responsible for realigning yourself constantly it's it's an individual battle that you do and i think it's interesting that typically we see these bigger drifts we'll call them 
to a, a certain way of thinking in bigger cities. When you have a large conglomeration of people close together, they they start to think a certain way. And I think it's this whole idea of it's not necessarily it's like a it's like a subconscious peer pressure that kind of happens. Basically, uh, I, I you could experience this a lot in school potentially, where you would it, it's not exactly cheating off of your your peer, but basically. You get a test back and you find out, oh, my peer got that wrong too. I guess it's fine. It's it, yeah. as long as a lot of people are getting it wrong, then it doesn't okay. matter as much if I get it wrong. But when you're by yourself and you're like, man, I really did, I really screwed this up, you, you're a little bit harder on yourself. You, you have nothing to you you have nothing to compare against. So you just look objectively at who you are as a person and you say, okay, I'm not. And and I think that's just something natural about the soul. The soul genuinely wants to be the best it can be. It's just longing for that that type of perfection so when you're by yourself and you have nothing to compare it against this this higher objectivity uh, objective way of looking at yourself kind of kicks in and says you're, you're not you you, you got to step it up but when you're by people then you compare yourself to other people and that 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 internal sort of thing that makes you have high standards kind of takes a back seat yeah and i i don't know that high standards are necessarily um I don't know if they're necessarily to natural to human ma- humanity in our fallen state. But I do think you're right that I think it's easier for people just not even just like, oh, I can hide in the crowd and I won't be noticed um, that there's a kind of a comfort there to not standing out. But also just the fact that if you are in a crowd, you can find the lowest person in that crowd and you and can say, say oh, at least I'm better than so and so. And so um, in a way that and I think that's kind of why Christianity is so important, because as Christians, we compare ourselves to Christ, the perfect man. So we're always going to be failing in one sense, but it's, you know, it, there's a hopeful, there's kind of a hopeful failure that we have in that, well, I failed this time, but I can go, I can repent, I can be forgiven, I can, you know, go back at it. And, um, you know, the nice, the beautiful thing about it is it's like, you know, we work like it's, there's a saying, I don't know who says it, I don't even know if it's, it's attributed to anyone, but like we work like everything is um depends on us we pray like everything belong you know we pray and trust um, as though everything depends on god and i think that's exactly the perfect mix but the problem is if you don't have that um if you don't have that belief that man has fallen and that paradise can only be found in heaven um you you're going to fall into these utopia, these utopian, you know, notions, which really is what the communists keep saying, like, oh, the world is going to be perfect. But there's never a godless world that can be paradise because all of the virtues you need to have something be pleasant all depend on God. Um, human beings can't produce them independent of God. So um, I just don't understand why people are surprised when, you know, you basically have hell on earth whenever you Whenever you try Have to make an atheistic utopia, you end up in so, hell. So what you're kind of describing is like a two-step process. You have the first step, which is the exception of reality. And the reality is that we're, we're all born fallen, and the world that we live in is fallen as well. We lost that paradise that we had. So the first step is to accept reality, which is the world is not perfect. And no matter what you do, it's never going to actually be perfect. Right. But but then you have to be careful now because if you're, st- if you're still stuck in step one, you're going to get really depressed and be like, well, what's the point? Yes. Why is it so then step two kind of introduces itself, which is, OK, yep, everything's it's not perfect here. But this is this is the ultimate test now. Can you what what's what can you get done? What we're, we're giving you a dumpster fire. What can you make out of it? If you can even make just something, just a little something, I promise, like once this is over, 
you'll you'll get the paradise back. You just got to prove to me, and this is I'm kind of voicing for God a little bit here, but basically God's basically saying, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you something that's not perfect. You got to make the best of it, and if you can do that, and you can kind of trust me and just work through it, it's gonna stink. But if you can th- work through that, I, I promise I got what you had before. You'll get it back. You just gotta you just gotta do do what I say, and I think that that's that's the ultimate that's the ultimate test of our lives. Yeah. And I think you have to, but you have to kind of accept these two things, these two, these two steps that you have to accept reality and then you got to accept that, okay, it's bad, but you can do something about it. Right. And I think the, the, that kind of parallels now with, with the American dream is that the world's not perfect, but you have the right to pursue your happiness. There's a pursuit of there that you have the, the, the right to pursue success. Yeah. Does that, does that kind of make sense? How how that how that kind of line? I mean, obviously yeah. that's more of a just a generic, uh, just Christ, Christian like idea of just pursuing happiness. But it's I think it, it's it's based off of the original idea, which is that if you follow Christ and you you do what He says, that you will achieve the ultimate end goal. This is just more of a okay, we're gonna steal that pretty good idea and we're gonna you know dumb it down so that it works for a country. Yeah, well, and I think the other problem with it is it's once again flipping the realities. So you basically, um, the the notion that the world is fallen, but through God's grace, human beings are able to improve it. Um, to some, you know, we can do things to improve it is sort of backwards to what um, is sort of being promoted right now by sort of the atheist culture, which is that the world is good. It's human beings who wreck it, and so it's now granted. Do certain human beings wreck it? Yeah. But people forget that the planet is pretty horrible. I mean, <laughs> the planet is pretty horrible to us as a There's stuff that as eats a whole. Us. Have like, you been to Australia? Like it, it, it everything eats like it's <laughs> terrible there. But you can get killed by anything. Yeah, well, that's the thing people don't really pay attention to. Um, and this is something I every year when I teach um, when I teach like ninth graders, they'll come to me and they'll be like, "But human beings are horrible. Look at how many." And creatures have become extinct well you know because of human beings and i look at them and i say you do realize that according to science like it's not it's not like this is some big secret or some conspiracy theory according to scientists 90 percent of the species who are extinct or who have lived on planet earth and are now extinct became extinct before human beings even walked on the planet the earth kills off its own it's only, th- you know, and think of how many species would be dead if human beings didn't preserve, you know, didn't work hard to have these cons- well, there, conservation places. Useless species, too. Like, there's just <laughs> some dumb species, like koala bears. I think we saved those, I'm pretty sure. Don't, uh, I mean, I think don't quote me on this. But might be what you're pandas, thinking of. Like, there's useless bears out there that don't really contribute much to society. I'm pretty sure it's koalas. But and we keep them around. And I think it's one of those things where we, we, we feel obligated to. But I think the thing that people right. forget is that, you know, we're part of earth too. I mean, we're, we're highly, we, we have free will and souls and stuff. And I think, you know, if people pay attention to the Bible, a lot of the creatures that were put on the earth were put on the earth to serve us. But, uh, all of them are, all everything of them. exists yeah. for the sake of humanity. Um, And so people, because people don't acknowledge that they kind of look at, they, they forget that humans one are a part of the earth too. Yeah. And one that we're, we're the masters of the earth, so to speak. Right. And they kind of look at us now as, well, we're just, we, we, we landed here on a ship and we're destroying this world. And once we're done here, we're just going to get back on another ship and then land somewhere else and do it. Like it's, I feel like that's what they believe at this point. Yeah. And it, once again, it flips it around. So if Christians believe that earth is not our homeland, obviously heaven is our homeland. That's what we're created for. But when we, you know, give our lives to God, 
we will receive not only heaven, but also a new heaven and a new earth will be given to us. So there is that sort of sense that earth will be purified and given back to us. But think about it. But so we as Christians have this kind of view of, of we're a pilgrim, but we don't really belong to this world. Um, if you think about this whole, like mo- these movements going on in the world right now. So um, any European, um, you know, on North America, right? You're, you don't belong here. You're not indigenous. You're not, even though I don't know how they argue that the people they claim to be indigenous are actually indigenous. Like, how do you know who came here first? Yeah. You know, like, uh, I mean, like, I feel like, the, you know, that, that, um, the Mount Rushmore thing, like five different types of five different tribes of Indians took over Mount Rushmore before, um, before when the I, Europeans took it over. Who do we give it back to? You know, yeah. but, well, and but I think it's because people are, this is where people are just really don't understand history. And they're like, well, the Native Americans had it. And it's like, well, okay, <laughs> which ones? And they're like, well, just the Native Amer- But no, no, there are like five different tribes. Do you yeah. even know any of them? Why are you glumping them all they, together? It's, That's it's, not... it's borderline kind of racist, exactly. Because it it's just they rope all of the Native Americans into one big tribe. of, And, it, and I, I think that, I mean. It's identity. But it's, he, yeah. here's the thing, though, that's interesting is the fact that um, they're trying to basically make, they're trying to make all of the white people feel homeless, right? And they're they're attacking us in two ways, right? They're saying you don't have a right to the land that you've called home for two hundred years because it used to belong to someone else. Well, I don't think right? it's necessarily just the white people. I think it's just anybody. Well, who's I think in, it's starting with white people, but I think it'll. I think Christian, it'll be. They oh, say yeah, it's, it's white people, but anybody. It's basically anybody who's Christian or believes in this more modern Westernized. Yeah, ideal. you're right. I shouldn't say white people. I should say I should say Western people because they, what they consider white, they lump in any person of color who is who agrees who, who agrees with who, Western yes. culture, who who thinks Western culture is something to be preserved. Um, but the other thing that they're doing now with all of this nature worship is they're actually saying you don't. They're they're pushing it into no human being has a home here on Earth. They're basically creating. They're cre- trying to create an entire population of hopeless orphans because think about it. What is Christianity? Christianity says God is our father. And yet they're trying to make us all feel like orphans by saying, well, you know, you have this mother, the earth, but she rejects you. It's like, no, no, no. God is our father. <laughs> like, so we call mother earth, mother earth. Like that's, she's not really our mother in the same sense as God is our father. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the fact that we all, you know, yes, we all, Came, our bodies all came from clay, but humanity is more than just our bodies. We're body and soul, and our soul is really far more. Even even though both are us, we need both body and soul in order to be human. The soul um, takes priority over the body, and so this you know this whole sort of um, just nature worship thing and this whole focus on Earth, I really feel like is designed. Um, is really designed to to sort of deny our higher nature and our the fact that we are loved by God versus we're you know really hated by Mother Earth. She tries to kill us. Technology is the only reason why. I mean, everything you know that Mother Earth produces storms and um, you know viruses. Mm-hmm. You know, assuming this is a well, natural thing. Argue that like it's, oh, this all is of the, the world fighting back. 
Yeah, Mother Nature hates us, and we have a loving God. Why are we trying to? Why on earth are we in? Why on earth are we trying to pacify this abusive Mother Earth when we have a loving Father we could turn to? But I think it it all turns in because what's the other thing they're fighting against in today's day and age? The the patriarchy, right? They're Mm -hmm. they're they're putting men down so that they can exalt this this you know morbid deformed sense of the of the feminine which also is not the feminine a who view. has a lot of the attributes of the man only it doesn't work because exactly it's just there's guy things and there's girl things and you just got to keep them separate i right it's the only way i can really think of to say it um because it's not because the other thing too that christianity actually offers us an, a, a mother in place of in place of mother earth which mm-hmm brings us full circle because it's ultimately well, our it's lady not like he, yeah like it's church. not like he offered us just some girl it's like he's like yeah this is yeah this is the best you can possibly get out of humanity here you go like yeah i'll, I'll, I'll share like, my mother with yes, you like it, and it's, i will it's, it, yeah it's very special and it's it's a lot better than just just this generic sort of idea that the earth is our ugh, i just i can't right well, which is why the, it's so the thing sad that makes it kind of fall apart too is it's like they're like the argument that there's something special about earth it's like there's really not a whole lot special about earth we're i mean now humanity is what makes earth special yes and but yeah. there's this whole idea that we're like we're, we're, we're with science advancements with telescopes and stuff we can explore the the rest of the galaxy and determine that yeah there are other planets there's probably other galaxies so there are probably a bunch of other rocks that have trees <laughs> that have water that have dirt like like so now it's like okay if there's other places that you are can technically live on what makes earth so what what where 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 what why are we worshiping a, a floating rock in space when there's like three or four other floating rocks just like it right that well, could be used for the same it, it takes away if anything then we're just going to get into this worship of multiple mother earths and now we're getting into um you know a, a poly poly type religion of multiple which I don't know. It, it, Which we already sort of have, because once do. you start worshiping Mother Earth, you start saying everything is God, and, mm-hmm. and so you end up with this with the, this pantheism. You, yeah. But I do think it's it's significant because what does make this planet special is the fact that this is the Earth on which Jesus Christ suffered and died to save humanity. The same thing that made this this um, the the same thing that makes Earth special because this is where the first Adam came into existence, even though he lost sort of his specialness because of um, original sin. But this is this well, is the and ground, this is, and this is the place. There's a lot of stuff that's happened here that makes this place special. I mean, let's we we could you could I mean there are uh, numerous stories from the Bible that would attest to that. Um, but even just looking historically at the world, there have been a lot of great achievements by man that that make it special. They're, right, like, humanity they, is what makes built, this planet built, yes. special. But ultimately, ultimately if humanity makes if humanity makes. Um, the earth special then it would make sense that god made man would be the main reason why this rock is is more important here and why it, it works and so, so like, well i don't disagree you know with the fact that yeah we should take care of it because we're we're rulers over the earth and that's yes. what was given us in genesis but ultimately but we shouldn't be sacrificing right well and you shouldn't be you shouldn't be um you should not be you should be you shouldn't be worshiping that which you are given authority over, and that's what they're doing. They're basically we're the higher species, and they are giving. They're basically worshiping a lower species, which is the, you know, definition of idolatry. And I think it's super interesting. Like this, as we celebrate today, October seventh, the feast of Our Lady of the Rosary. You know, this is the day when 
you know, that we celebrate that, that victory of the supernatural over the natural of the fact that, you know, the Christians were way outnumbered. There's no way they should have won. And yet through the grace of God, they were able to save the culture that protected the truths um, of their religion. And so I, I think this is, um, you know, I, I think this is an, it's just an interesting thing that this encyclical popped up on this day. I do think, um, you know, this, this pretty much wraps up our, our conversation for tonight, but I do think we should, um, I think it'll be interesting to sort of dissect um, these, this encyclical. Yeah, um, we have, there's, and really it's, read it's through it long, and see what it is. I was kind of scrolling through it and letting everybody see it too, kind of as I was going through. There are, there are a couple of different points that Francis brings up. Uh, some of them feel a little bit overly political for yeah. a, a religious document, which, I mean, that's fine, but you know, it, three it, weeks it, before it, an election in the yeah, United States. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I definitely think it is a political issue. And I think there are definitely things that are super interesting that um, I think that we should. So we we'll could definitely pick a different take a couple and, of different spots in here and pick them apart and kind of really dive deep into, okay, what was he saying and what does he mean by that? Right. And where are those things that can be ambiguous? Because I think the way to fight um, a culture full of errors and lies is through truth and through clear clear truth and so we know exactly where we stand so let's um we'll say goodbye and like i said we'll take a um a few more of these interesting points in the encyclical letter of the holy father um in our next podcast thanks for watching